Welcome back, friends, to our podcast, Cheeky Vibe, Peaceful Life. My name is Lauren Mazadonsky. And my name is Michelle Moss. And today we have a guest. Lauren, do you want to introduce our guest today? Yes. I am so excited to share with you Erica Hall. First of all, there's so many things that you're going to learn in this interview, but I'm just going to give you a few things that I know already about Erica. She's the co-founder of the Corner Her Office with the Better Over Perfect method that they teach there and then she's also the co-author of but that's not me the book and also share all the goodies on how you can find all these things out about erica but thank you erica for joining us today how are you good thanks for having me i'm excited yeah i always love an excuse to talk to women yeah i don't even know where to begin you shared with us a little bit about your story um just even before recording but so you originally lived in Virginia Beach. Is that a good place to start? That's where my adulthood started. I mean, you know, I guess we have to have a starting point. If you want to go all the way back to where I was born, that would probably be way too long. It's quite an interesting story, but. <laughs> well, maybe down the road, we might interject some of the past yeah. stuff and how that impacted some of the choices and relational things that came up in your adult life. But we can start with for Virginia sure. Beach for sure. Yeah, that's where my adult um, life started. Um, I was out on my own, um, homeless at the age of uh, 20. And uh, from there, built a life, um, had a child at a very young age, became a mom very, very young, and started my career at a nonprofit organization. And I went from before an after school counselor to the Associate of Financial Development for the entire association. And they are the largest on the East Coast. And um, it was a really awesome accomplishment. But the entire time I was working my butt off being trying to be this professional woman, I now at that point in time had three children, but my husband was an addict and um, wouldn't, take care of even just helping support like the entire weight of the family and the world was on my shoulders. So were you, were you in a pretend mode? Did the world know, or was that all a secret that you are this professional Uh, woman keeping things together and having three kids? No, everybody knew he was a, everybody knew, like everybody knew this was how he was. He didn't really hide it. Um, We didn't know at the time that some of it might or could have had to do with mental illnesses. I mean, he's since received help, but you know, that's really hard as a young adult and um, a young mom. I didn't have a huge support system that just didn't really exist. So I was reliant on him and his family and he had a very small family unit. And so that was my world, that's all I had. Um, And so when I um, decided to, I couldn't work as a professional or however we want to organize it. Like I couldn't report to a job, a salaried job because I had three children and my um, second son, uh, my first son was not born to me. So, um, but he's still my son. So he's older and I have a daughter and then my third child is born and he is disabled. He is only has one ear. So he's hard of hearing and he's going to need services. And all this is going on while, I am the breadwinner and um, due to some really hard things, I um, was no longer working for that organization. Um, it has had a lot to do with that, uh, especially just, I think it's hard to maintain a standard of things going on. Um, and when you're so consumed with everything in life and you don't have a support system, right? Like you just not everything can be a great success. Well, and yours is cumulative. It's not just something happened. It was this, 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 this without a support network. It was ongoing. Like it just never seemed to be that trauma wasn't happening. Like I wasn't in fight or flight all the time. Um, I didn't know it, but I have a genetic, just, I didn't know at the time, but I had a genetic disorder. So I was fighting body things too, like as a mom and like, why do I hurt so bad? And why can't I do this? Um, but I made so what I decided to do was, I was no longer going to allow one company or one man in particular, because it really was CEO 
have that much control of whether I could support my family or not. And so at that point in time, at a very young age of 29, um, I had already been an entrepreneur all my life. So the entire time I had a career, I had side businesses that were doing really well (laughs) and things that I enjoyed doing. So I said, you know what? Screw this. I'm never going to do that again. They will never have that much control of whether or not I can feed my family. Because in one morning, I lost everything. I lost my salary job. I lost um, paid vacation. I lost paid sick time to be able to take care of my children. I lost insurance. I lost retirement. I lost everything in one morning because they had an agenda to get rid of somebody else. And so I knew at that point in time and never again. So for 15, I guess I'm in my 16th year, I have been an entrepreneur and I have done whatever it took to provide for my family. Um, And that's what, right? We have pieces of us in our book, in the book that we wrote, but that's not me. We talk about the different pieces of us. And so I am a professional woman. I am an entrepreneur, but I was also an abused woman. I was also the primary parent. I'm also the financial provider. I'm also all of these roles at the same time, but I could not acknowledge any of it because in the grand scheme of things, I just felt like this huge gigantic failure all the time. It was really hard. Which is crazy Um, because you were succeeding in all those areas. Again, it's changing that thinking pattern. You were doing all of those. Oh, I had... I had my my art being published in magazines. I was being sought out by manufacturers in the scrapbooking industry. Like I had careers and hobbies that were thriving and yet I could not acknowledge any of it because at home I was so overburdened with everything else and just crushed all the time. Um, There wasn't even enough time to even celebrate those things. It was like, okay, I'm in the midst of doing them, but I'm getting phone calls. I'm having to take care of all of it. I can't even breathe, right? We feel that all the time. Um, so that was Virginia and it was really hard. And I decided um, a can really hard decision you, to leave my husband. And then it spiraled from there. Question. <laughs> yeah. Did you, was he physically abusive as well as emotionally abusive? What kind of abuse are we talking here? So there are six. There are six categories of abuse and most of us have experienced numerous of them in different forms because the home's not the only place that we're abused. And and I love that domestic, I really do love that the word domestic abuse kind of paired together because domestic is anywhere you reside. And so if you're at work for eight hours, that is your that is your home environment. That is domestic abuse. If you're within your family unit, your church and organization, that's your family unit, it's domestic. And so, and when we look at it that way, I was experiencing abuse in every category somewhere in my life, somewhere in my life, um, without being able to really recognize it. I mean, I knew it was wrong, right? Like I, I knew the things that my husband was doing was not what I wanted. I knew that it was not things that I wanted to participate in, but I also didn't feel like I had a choice. I really just did not feel like I had a choice. I had to keep like, for the longest time, it was like, I, I have to keep my marriage going because divorce isn't an option. And then when I finally learned and got over that ridiculous brainwash mentality of, well, you made a commitment in front of God. And I was like, yeah, but I'm upholding my commitment. He is not, I'm relinquished of this. Mm-hmm but I wasn't healed enough to be able to then get in a great situation. So I was still kind of mixed. And unfortunately, um, I was caught by a serial abuser and a predator and I was primed because I was worn down. I was worn down. I was a mom of three. I was exhausted. Um, I had been carrying the financial burden of my family for 13 years. Um, you know, and there are people out there who look Mm -hmm. for people who just like, you're a good catch because, you know, you believe in the morals and values of like, you're going to work really hard. You're going to take care of the home. You're going to take care of the children. Like you're going to be a domestic slave. And I really, really like that. And I can provide financially and they make it look pretty, but in background, they're a worse wolf than what you were just dealing with. I mean, like they're a greater beast um, because they've had years and years of years to develop those 
tactics that they use in abuse. Mm -hmm. Right. So um, that is a part of my story. I'm, I have to talk about it because it brought me to Ohio where I'm at now. It's brought me to the place where I'm now healed. But I went through all of that. And um, he I was captured by him for six years. He moved me to Ohio. I had two children by him. Um, I had to get a civil protection order to get away from him. Um, he captured a young woman after me and for the past six years, well, so we've had one year, if not for six years, I was being abused by him extendedly and her because she would stalk me. Mm. And, um, and she's since left. It was really interesting because the day that the um, title of the book was being released, <laughs> I might get emotional. Um, which I didn't have any power control over at that point in time. It was scheduled out. I mean, like we know this stuff in life, right? Like we think that, I think it's interesting because we think that it's like, oh, well, you, you did that. You manipulated it to happen that way, but there's no possible way now that I see the back ends of how things happen. So I'm like greater understanding, right? So the title of the book's being released. He called me that morning. He did not know that. He called me that morning to relinquish his visitation at that point in time. And just go back to every other weekend because he was admitting that she had left and um we've had healing conversations i don't really talk to her a lot she's in my town um she has a healing path to go on and it's not my story to tell um but because i didn't stop talking and i didn't stop telling the truth and i had always told her from day one i will never lie to you i'm not here to and i in 2014, this is my healing story, was I picked up my phone and said, I'm done being silent. And if I'm not going to talk to anybody, I'm just going to talk to the woman behind the screen. Well, we have, I mean, you guys, when we pick up our phone, who are we looking at? When you do live video, who are you looking at? Yourself. So since 2014, I've been talking to myself, telling myself these things. Mm -hmm. Wow. Hundreds and thousands of women have been listening. So Wow. That's kind of a real big, huge, gigantic recap. There's a lot of details, but I'll be quiet for now. So. Can I ask what, so did, so you stayed in New Philly and that's where, is that, is this where everybody still is? Is this a hard thing to navigate? It is a hard thing to navigate. Um, he's not in this city. He moved to the county next. So he's still here, um, but I don't have an option to leave mm -hmm. without saying to I'm. It's okay. not allowed to. Okay. So yeah. And that was a really hard healing journey too, because when the place you're living feels like a prison and not a home, how do you love it? Mm -hmm. How do you put a smile on your face? How do you get through the depression and anxiety and the, every time you get out of your driveway, you feel like somebody's going to be around the corner. You're looking at who's at the gas station because these things have happened to me for so many years now, since 2010, I've had to look over my shoulder. It's hard. So I went through with my therapist ways to love where you live and different methods of just really, what is it that you love? Um, I'm very fortunate that I, in the sense that I decided I was going to heal and I was going to heal quickly. And I took it on really hard, <laughs> really hard, strong. Um, I didn't have a choice because I had four kids then at that point in time. I mean, um, I lost my oldest son um, to suicide at the, when he was 16. And I was not allowed to go to his funeral or go mourn him because I was captured by my abuser. Um, and I have, I'm happy to say that this year I was finally able to go to his grave and it was a really healing moment. Wow. Um, even though the weekend was even harder because we were letting go of, I was letting go and saying goodbye to my first mother-in-law who was my mom. I mean, she was my mom for 13 years and she was passing. So it was a healing and sad weekend, but it's really cool when you stop being silent it's really cool how things happen. Was that healing? And I believe in that power you were sharing. And then women were connecting with you. Oh, for sure. For sure. I don't think that they realized how much they healed me. And yet you were doing that for them. That's the wonderful reciprocity of being vulnerable and sharing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. 
So tell us a little bit about, I mean, I don't know if you want to go there yet, but the corner office, what is this, you know, what is this it stand for and what is this business? What is it all about? Absolutely. I'm so proud of um, this business and concept. Um, my partner, Dr. Cheryl Jewel Jackson is also my co-author and but that's not me. The story of us meeting is also another one of those. I cannot believe this actually happened type thing. Um, but we were um, spending time together and talking about the things that we've done and what is our dream. And ultimately the things that we were speaking were the same. And we brought it together and developed the corner office. And we specialize in adaption. We bring adaptive tools and resources to primary parents so that they can live their fullest life, whether they're at work, whether they're at play or whether they're taking care of their home, they're living, right? That's life. Um, they, they can do it. So whether it's a co-working office that we have here in New Philly that's set up um, so that you can have a space to work that's quiet <laughs> and you can just get away for a little bit and it's on a great budget because let's be honest, um, it's really hard to have a conscious train of thoughts when you have little kids running around and they're great. We love them, but we do need a little bit of time of separation, even if it's just to get our family budget done um, or to meal plan, right? When you're the primary parent and you're the primary home manager, you're running two businesses all the time. And I don't, we don't look at it that way, right? Those are two different vocations. Um, so anyways, so um, we have a, our brand new location that just opened in College Station is in Post Oak Mall, and it is a play space and co-working location. So it is really designed so that you can bring your kids in, they can socialize and play on things that maybe they haven't been able to experience before, and you can sit down and chairs and couches that are comfortable. You could have a free cup of coffee. You can socialize. And if you want to work, you can go sit down at a desk and work while your kids are playing. Um, meeting spaces, gathering, we host workshops and different events. They're doing a whole series for kids this summer so that you can take it here. Here's an hour and a half. Your kid's going to learn some science and you can go have some coffee or go work at a table. Or if you just like to go walk around the mall, we've got you covered. Is there a um, cost? So Is there a cost? Yes. Yes, there's a cost because we're not we're not a nonprofit organization. Um, we this is a for profit, uh, but it is at a it's at a really great cost. It's at a um, price that almost everybody can afford. Um, and in some of our events, we start have started offering some scholarships. So, but we're talking five dollars to come and sit down, have a cup of coffee, and watch your kid play. You know, your kid's playing for twelve dollars. I mean, it's you pay more than that when you go to McDonald's. People. Right. Like it's I don't know well about you, but my McDonald's bill the other day was was like, what? There's only one kid. Like, <laughs> I've got a lot. So, <laughs> I love that idea because I definitely have like Zoom calls and meetings with women, and they're struggling to have little toddlers at home to even get the headspace to focus on their work. Yeah. Yeah. And you said you opened a new one in, did you say Texas? Yeah. So we have a location here in New Philly, Ohio, which is um, a co-working office and meeting space, but children are welcome. Like we have toys for them if you need to bring them and they can play quietly. My kids come sometimes and they'll sit on the couch and play on their iPads and they know that that's the space that mom gets her work done. So we're going to leave her alone. It's really cool how when you change your environment, you can change your mindset mm -hmm. and you can start teaching kids that at a really young age and they want to see us work. I want my kids to, I didn't come become an entrepreneur for them to not see what I do and for them to not learn this. They didn't see what I did when I was working 10, 12, 14 hours away. And then I'd come tuck them into bed and then I'd be up till three o'clock in the morning. They never knew. They just was like, oh, well, mom goes to work. Right. And so this way you can really still incorporate them, but you also have the decision to be like, nope, today's my day. And they understand that. So why Texas? What's, what's the so Cheryl, my partner, Dr. Cheryl Jill Jackson lives in Texas. She okay. is a, also a professor at Texas A&M um, and she is an IO psychologist um, and provides consulting for some of the fortune 50 um, companies. So, um, which is really awesome because we're able to teach the things that we teach women on a day-to-day -day basis to companies. Mm -hmm. And so that they structure and organize and really um, 
take care of the people who are helping take care of them, which is their employees. So do you think that, and we say this, Lauren's done it and I've done it, but do you think sometimes you stay, you in the past and even, I don't know, now stay busy in order to avoid all the stuff that was going on or to, to, to you know, what, did you just get in that busy mode, you know, going through all that stuff? Cause you did a million different things. Um, I know for certainty, I love that you asked that question. I know for certainty now that I've looked at it from me personally, one, I already had that personality. Mm-hmm. This is, I, this is who I was as a little girl. I did everything I could get my hands into. I was a leader. I would take, I love serving and taking care of people. Um, I loved developing and learning and um, devouring knowledge. And so I, and I loved art. Like I always, I just had this wide variety. I never really fit into one thing. Um, But I think that when you become a mother, you don't have any other option, but I've just got to get it done. And so when you start going from one to two, to three, to four, to five, to six, everything's busy. So if I continue to think I can't take on anything else, I'm, everything's going on, I'll never do anything that I want to do. And so um, I had given my time away so freely for so long to so many people that finally I said, enough is enough. I want to do the things that are important to me. Um, and I'm going to figure out a way to do it. And I developed a formula and it has changed women's lives from making from one. I mean, bless her. I love her because she's still doing it and rocking it. No income coming into her family out of five adults. She was the only driving adult that could drive. So she's the only person that can make money and they have a multitude of children and live out and not an area that's really accessible. And by applying the things that I knew worked, worked in my life, cause I had proven it and worked in others in six months, she made no income to opening up a bakery and supporting her entire family to mm-hmm. only a few months later, her community helping her erect an actual building for her to have a full blown bakery not just a seasonal tourism one. And she didn't change much of anything. She just realized what she already had available to her, right? And so um, do I use it as a coping mechanism? Absolutely. Because when I slow down, my mind plays some really stupid fucked up tricks on me. And flashbacks are a bitch. And let I'm excuse the language if it offends anybody, but it is so true. They are so hard to experience um, and go through and they're not in control. So I control the things I can because I know there's so much life that I cannot control. Um, and I enjoy what I'm doing. So that's okay for me. But if you're like this as busy as I am, but you didn't enjoy yourself, I would tell you as your consultant or coach, stop. we're done. You're cutting this off. You're cutting this off. You're cutting this off. This is what you're starting with. Right. So I did that. I cut things out of my life and I rebuilt it back up to So the only things I'm working on right now is everything brings me enormous fucking joy, mm-hmm. except for probably parenting right now, but I don't have a choice. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. That is right. True. I just, I, I'm like, I'm done. Not, um, and how, that's a therapy how, thing. How old are the kids that, and who's still in the home? Like, are they all? So, Ethan would have been 27 this year. Um, Kendall is 21. She's a student at the University of Cincinnati. Um, I'm kind of excited because I think she's going to be moving home for a couple for a few months. So um, in her own place because she's an adult, but that'll be cool. Then the next one's Coda. He's 16 and he's um, an amazing basketball player and um, so smart. He is has only one ear. He has what's called microsia atresia. And his is on the right side. He's such my hero. I mean, the child went through more surgeries before he was eight years old than I've seen, but he has a ear was built out of rib cartilage. Wow. Skin graft. And yeah, he's, he's an amazing kid. Um, they're all, all my kids are super amazing. Michaela's, um, 
I forgot her age for a second. <laughs> she is 11, almost 12. Mm -hmm. um, fiery redhead, super artistic and talented and like loves to be expressive. Um, and then Addison is just turned nine and she's my like sports fanatic and jokester. And then Zoe is five and she's the quiet, timid, I want to clean everything, you know, but leave me in my space. <laughs> wow. So, yeah. The full gamut of ages from all the way up. Yeah. I'm starting to realize how to be thankful for that. Mm -hmm. Somebody said something to me the other day and they said, you know, I don't like when somebody comes and talks to me about an age when they're so far past it as a parent, like your kids are adults and you're trying to tell me how to parent a toddler um, or, you know, whatever teenager and you're talking about a newborn. And I was like, oh, I didn't have that problem. I really could help you as a mom because I had all the ages at the same time. Like, mm -hmm. what do you got? You got an adult kid. All right, let's talk. You got a teenager. All right, let's talk. You got this guy. All right, let's talk. You got a baby. Let's talk. You know, like we could relate and we could like, okay, what's working for us instead of coming from a place of, but I still had 2020 vision too. So I was in it with them, but I also was like, oh yeah, but I've already had three go through this. So it was really cool. I was like, okay, well, I can be thankful for this. It was not what I intended and planned, you know, who dreams of that? I don't know if anybody dreams of that when they're a kid, but yeah. <laughs> anyways. I have to ask now that you've done all this healing, have you done dating since I'm remarried? Oh, look at that. Yeah. Um, not what I was, not what I was intending in 2014. I like, I still have the journal. It said, I will never, ever, 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 ever. No. Um, I joke. I joke because I've had this conversation with God. So him and I, or her and I, whatever you want to call it, we're good. Um, but I had said, forget it. I'll just go find a woman because I really had no interest in sex because a lot, a, much of my abuse has been sexual um, for my entire life. And so as a grown woman, I'm like, that's it. I don't, you know, that's nothing, but I love the camaraderie. I love that you'll care about what the living room, like, I, you know what I mean? Like, just to me, I was like, this just makes more sense. I had convinced myself, I think for like three days or whatever. It was funny. I, my journals are funny from back then. I can laugh, but no, I don't think it was super funny back then. <laughs> um, Cause I was pretty serious. Um, but I had really private conversations with myself and with what I believe in. And I said, if anything was to happen, this is what's going to be required. And you better be having some burning some bushes in front of me to prove to me that this is the right thing to do. And, and it did just the right things happen. Um, so well, yeah, we've been together for, and you were in a, a, healthier, while. a healthier space to be in a healthier relationship. And done all yeah, that. absolutely. And our, my last child is with him. So we we're good and yeah, it's pretty amazing. Wow. Okay. So I know you said that helping others is the way you find joy, but what do you do? This is a question we ask a lot of our listener or a lot of our guests. What do you do for self-care and compassion other than work at your passion? Is there something you enjoy that's specific to filling your cup? That's not work. <laughs> um, I really, I really love watching TV. Like I really love watching TV. I really do love watching TV. I love watching movies. Um, I love reading books. Um, even when I'm taking notes. So some people might say consider that's work, but I love reading books and just like taking notes and like diving in. Um, before my body's illness really kicked in high gear, I did a lot of art. Um, but then even then my art ended up being turned into a business. So I this was like, just happens. Um, but when we talk about self-care, I do the better self formula and the better self formula is what I developed to help me manage taking care of all these humans, um, trying to do the best to take care of myself. Cause I really, really, really had to, cause I was really sick. Um, and then making sure that I didn't get lost in the mix. And so 
the reason why we call it the better self instead of self-care is because care is only one ingredient. So you have self-necessity, self-care, and then self-indulgence. Well, self-necessity is what it is necessary for you to just survive a day, like normal, like most of us have the same things. Some of us are slightly different. On mine, I have to take um, very specific medicine to keep me going, to keep me alive. Like, you know, so that would be under my necessity, may not be under yours, right? Um, I have a very certain diet lifestyle. So that's under my necessity instead of care. And so all of our things are different for us, but the formula works for everybody. So you have your self necessities, then you have your self cares. What are the things that need to be done and you enjoy doing, but it's okay. Like, I mean, if I don't shower for two or three days, it's not a necessity. It's just a care because I don't have to do it daily because my hair is curly and I freshen and it really is not a great thing. So for me, that's just become a thing. So I've changed my formula around, um, getting your nails done may be a care instead of an indulgence because you're on video a lot, or you do things with your hands, right? I do my nails and like my eyelashes are a care, not an indulgence. Why? Cause I don't have any eyelashes left because of part of my illness. So that's not an indulgence anymore, even though it costs a good penny, but I don't dye my hair. So, right. So I was able to adjust my formula to fit my life. And so I really tried to make sure as long as I'm in those realms, I know what my necessities are. I'm doing and my care and my indulgences and my indulgences are the extra things like the, I'm just going to sit here and watch Bridgerton all day long. That's an indulgence for me because mm-hmm. it's how I'm spending my time. Or um, it, it may be buying a nice, really cool eye cream that I've never tried, but it may also just be, I'm going to sleep in this weekend and never set an alarm, right? That could be my indulgence. Um, so I make sure I have those. And then I don't have to really worry about that. I'm working too much or that I don't have anything I'm doing outside of work because my work is fun. I really love working. Like I enjoy it. So when I do that, then I don't have to worry about, oh, well, you haven't spent any time, you know, reading poetry or whatever, you know what I mean? Like feel guilty about it because it just starts to blend together and really melt, make a really great way to manage it. And I love that you said that because we, we preach that that self-care for us, we don't necessarily divide it with those terms, but self-care is making a doctor appointment. Self-care is, you know, doing those things that you need to do for yourself. It's not all bonbons and and (laughs) hanging out. It's, you know, it's not a bubble bath. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, it can be, it can be, but it's not that, you know, it's a lot of things. So yeah, we've, we've actually done several podcasts on that very topic. So yes, that sounds wonderful. And I love the way you put that, the necessity, the self-care and the self-indulgence. I think that's a, a pretty cool. Yeah, and when You love your work. Like you said too, I think that indulgent piece of your formula is very important because for me, sometimes like, I feel like my work isn't work. I just love it. So I could do it all the time, but I, need that last piece to your formula to make sure like I have that in my life more. No, I love that. That's a great formula. Yeah. Literally one of my self-indulgences do not open your computer. Yeah. Do you ever find like anxiety creeping though? When I give myself Sundays off, like I have to like talk myself through my anxiety. Like it's okay that you're not working. (laughs) I have to go. Yes. I have to tell myself in my head. Um, it's okay. There's no emergencies. Nobody's dying. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Like I have to literally tell myself it doesn't matter. Whatever is there doesn't matter. It is because that we talk, we're just going to give it all away. Okay. So we talk about, um, this in the better method and urgency versus emergency and knowing the difference. Mm -hmm. And, um, that's a really hard one, especially for abuse or trauma survivors to understand what is the difference between the two. (laughs) Um, because everything has been an emergency like that fight all the time. And so urgency doesn't require the same response as emergency and vice versa. Um, and something I even teach my children, your emergency doesn't dictate my urgency because let's define it. And so then I would start teaching them what is actually an emergency. And so then they would be like, okay, so my urgency also doesn't dictate my mom's emergency. 
all right, let me calm down. Okay, we don't have to be like, I need this now, you have to do this, I need an answer, da, 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 right? Because we're, 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 we're always mixing them up. Mm-hmm. Well, we're always also, mixing them up. And also when you've lived a trauma life, everything is an emergency. That's the everything way feels that we way. relate to the world. And so it is hard to start stepping back and saying everything isn't, doesn't have it to is. be trauma, emergency, fight or flight. And that's a huge lesson to learn. It is. And so I think that when we have that, and we also love doing what we do, like I love on my computer, I love doing data management, I love organization, I love helping people come up with things that, you know, help them with solutions, like I love doing all this stuff. And so to close it and say, I'm not doing it takes such mental fortitude and strength. And at the end of the day, sometimes I'm exhausted. So what I've learned is, instead of taking a whole day off, okay, you're not gonna open the computer and do anything on the computer until X amount of time. Because here's also the hard point for me. I'm also the home manager, so I have to meal plan. And my meal planning is on my computer. (laughs) So we're back to that. (laughs) And so is my, right? So instead of, I just started to block it and say, okay, these are the only vocations you're allowed to work on. And that started help too. So I would take the time and then I would also say, okay, then on Sunday, because that's one of my days too, you can only work on Hutchman if you need your computer. Like everybody else can wait. Well, and that's part of that too, is your children want time, quality time. Your children, you want to role model for them some of that stuff too, as far as, yeah, you're role modeling hard work, but you also want to role model relaxation and relational stuff. So. Yeah. So let's go take a walk and let's go do these things. And um, yeah. So I think it's just, I think it's hard when you're have that mentality you love what you do, but you're also trying to manage it all, deal with it all. And then you feel bad for like shutting off and being like, let me take a break. So, and I think honestly, especially women, we're going to give ourselves a hard time, whether we do or whether we don't or whether we're failing or that whether we're succeeding. So maybe we just need to tell ourselves to shut up, yeah. just shut up. Yeah. Or just, just go live and enjoy. Right. Yeah. There is no right. And we're so caught up in what's right and wrong. Is this a good choice or a bad choice? None of it. Right. None of it. The shoulds come out, all the shoulds, the societal yeah. shoulds. What about your husband? So do you guys have, um, you have a lot of kids, you know, still in the home and all that. How do you find time for date night and intentional um, romance type stuff? We are struggling right now. Be honest. Our five-year-old still sleeps in our bed with us. So that's awesome. Not. Um, <laughs> um, we own a company together too. So what he works Monday through you know all the time. Um, so we have found that the only way that we possibly can is we sneak it when we can, but, um, we use tender words with each other. We have more understanding with each other during these times where it's hectic and crazy. We do our best to communicate as best we can. It's just like, okay, I'm like super frustrated and we all know why we're frustrated, but there's not a lot that we're going to be able to do about it. Um, we love doing work dates together. So we'll do that and be like, okay, well, I really got to get this done. He's like, I really got this done. Okay. Well then let's pick out a show and let's just sit on the couch together and work, you know? And then it's, we pause and talk, you know, so we have those sweet times. Um, and then the only other thing that we try to do is you just try to make sure that we are affectionate with each other on a daily basis. However, that can fit in. Sometimes it's just kisses and hugs and sitting together. And sometimes it's other things, but not a lot of the other things lately. <laughs> Again, lots of kids and a five-year-old right. who has said, if she gets a bunk bed, she will move out. Um, and, but if she doesn't, she's staying until she's 79. That was <laughs> last night's conversation. So I don't know I where think that came from. But. Then tomorrow's on the schedule is go buy a bunk bed. You know what I told my husband, and this is like, that was really great because instead of taking on the responsibility of doing all this, because, Hey, I've done it. How many times now he can, this is his one. And all, I mean, they're all his, but this is, yeah. so I said, it's your job. This is on, this is your card. 
I have, I'm carrying a full deck right now. I cannot take on anything else. So if you want her out of our bed that intensely, <laughs> then you need to have, you need to make it happen. However, it's going to make it happen. You go read a book, you go give her a bunk bed, you go, whatever your formula is and how you're going to figure out how to move her out of our bedroom. This is on you. And he kind of looked at me and I was like, no, like the whole thing, the planning of it, the timing of it, how you're going to do. I don't want to know. I don't need to know. This is your project. And he's like, okay, I get it. And so he's kept me updated. So they've been looking at bug beds and he's taken some measurements. He's trying to see, they, she currently shares a room with um, Michaela. So the 11 year old. So they're trying to figure out if they could rearrange it. So they'll, so it's all on him. So we'll see. Oh, that sounds like a good plan. Sounds like right. I was like, I'm not taking any more cards into my deck. I'm done. Yep. I don't want any more right now. <laughs> as long as now I'm going to pull a therapist card. As long as the, as long as your daughter realizes that this is a unified parental decision, it's not just dad trying to kick her butt out. Right. No, very much. She does. Yeah, All right. very much. She does. Good. Good. I, cause I had told her when I came back from my last work trip, I said, when I come back, we're working on you sleeping in your own bed. I said, cause you're almost sick. And by the time you get sick, that's it. And she's like, okay. So we've, we've had this deal. <laughs> so interesting. It's like, by the time you get to like this number, number six, I was kind of like, what battles do I want to fight? That's true. That's true. It's not as, <laughs> in, those battles aren't as important. Yeah. Yeah. They change, right? They always change your perspective. Changes. So I'm enjoying being an older mom to a, to a younger kid. Like it's really different this time around as opposed to being so young the first time. Yeah. The experience does make a difference for sure. It does. Yeah. Uh, Lauren, did you have anything else you wanted to ask? No, before I was going to ask her for her last words of wisdom, I want to share with our listeners where they can find you, your business, your book, all those fun things. And advice, parting words of advice. See, I feel like every time you ask me a question, though, I talk for so long that I'm not sure I answered your initial question. That's my problem sometimes, right? Like we are very much the same. So, okay, good. I guess just a parting, um, give us a parting, some advice for a woman, maybe who's in a, a, an abusive situation. We could go there and then we can hear about where to find you and, and that kind of thing, your book. So, we're all in abusive situations. I think we first just need to realize that even if it's not your partner, there's somewhere in your life that is not the healthiest. Um, and if we just start talking about it and having more conversations, that is the real start to healing um, and awareness is that more of us have experienced them than not. So let's just talk about it. Um, how I come into a room and how I deal with you as a friend or as a woman has a lot to do with what I've experienced. And I'm not trying to be, you know, you can say that and say, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not trying to be cold hearted. If I behave this way, say something to me. I don't realize it. Like having these real conversations so that we can start seeing the truth and the realness of humans because it's never gonna go away. So let's stop talking about it like it's this thing that we can solve. It's not a problem that we can solve. It's not going to go away. It's existed since the beginning of time. And that's just the truth of the matter. There's always a power and there's always something being controlled. <laughs> okay. So the only thing that we can do is start talking about it so that we don't pass on the behaviors and just believe that as generations go, we are, we are changing and we have been. Mm -hmm. In every generation, in every century, in every decade, we've seen the change of how people are being treated and how we're talking about it. And that's the best that we can do. And so if, to do that, we have to be a part of it and stop being so silent. Stop being ashamed of it. For the longest time, I thought that the abuse that I endured discredited me as being valid or worthy to have an opinion in any circle, much less my career, right? Like we, and that's because I was ashamed. Mm -hmm. And instead I said, so I tell, I mean, 
my business mentor, my pain management doctor. If you were in my life, you know that the person that's sitting before you has endured severe and long enduring trauma. Mm -hmm. And I can't change that about me. So don't try to change it, but please adapt Mm -hmm. and learn. That's all we're asking. Just adapt and learn, right? Um, And then don't make us feel less than. So the only way they make us feel less than is if we are thinking that we're less than. And so I've learned that. And I think that's the best thing that we can do as women is learn that we are not less than. So wherever in your life that you feel less than, that's an abuse. So learn that you're not mm-hmm. attack that in your life. And talk about it is what you're saying. That's yeah, talk great. about it. You've got yep. to talk about it. Yep. I love that. This is the Our, only way we can change. You feel like sometimes people don't talk about it when they're just not ready to maybe leave the situation because they don't want to believe that it's like true. Um, no, I I well. I think they do talk about it in the ways that they can talk about it, but because the people around them are validating the behavior because they've surrounded themselves in circles that that behavior is okay. Mm-hmm. Or they hear, Oh, well, my husband does that too. And they're like, Oh, or Normal- oh, well, yeah, my boss it. said that to me too. Yeah. It just normalizes it. Um, so I, I can, I can speak for myself. I can't speak for all women in those situations. I did say things in a way that I thought people should say, we, you need help. Let me help you. Instead, it was, they would criticize me or tell me that I was, you know, like, that's not, well, that's, that's not cool, you know, or gosh, I don't know how you're handling that, but it wouldn't be, Hey, Erica, that's not healthy. And that's abusive. And I don't think you're safe. Is there something else going on? Right. And so, then I surrounded myself with people who weren't, who were also being abused and weren't healthy. And so why would they be pulling us, you know, yeah. out? Um, but it's so funny because when you're in it, I was, I was speaking up and I was helping another woman. <laughs> I was taking care of her kid and helping her going, oh my God, he's talking, come on, let's do this and helping her move. And, you know, we've, we've talked about it um, a lot. As a matter of fact, she was one of the volunteers for the books trailer. And I so appreciate that she came to do that with me because we literally were escaping our situations at the same time. And I was the one leading it. Um, But yet there was nobody there helping me. I was doing it all myself. The people that I thought were going to definitely were not. And then where I received help was not where I was expecting it. Um, so to prevent a lot of that, we just have to talk more. We just really have to talk more and we have to stop being so scared. And maybe when we're talking and it's not being received, then we need to talk to other people. Like you said, you were talking to people that it was not being received. So then we have to keep talking and keep talking and keep talking and moving that around until we find somebody who is listening. I think that's part of it. Yeah. Because when you're in it, you know, it's wrong. You know, those things are right. I mean, it's not like people are like, yeah, you know, um, he shoved me into the chair and that's okay. I'm okay. Like, no, you know, we're not like he has hundred percent control of our finances and I have no money. We're not thinking that's okay. Mm-hmm. We're never in these going, Oh yeah, this is all hunky dory. Right. Um, So we're not stupid women, first of all, we're not stupid, we're not uneducated, we just lack a support system to help us do what we need to do. The cards are so stacked against us. And that's a whole nother conversation. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, four kids, I could barely get to the doctor, I couldn't take care of myself, because he wouldn't help watch it. Like there was things that just are always stacked against us, even in the healthiest relationships. Mm -hmm. So then you tack on all the other stuff. Um, so I do think that the more we can talk to each other, the more that we can say, I've been through this, or this is what I'm going through. How can I, and asking for help. Um, but when we ask for help, people also need to be taught how to offer help. Mm-hmm. And that's a hard thing to learn. So, and I think that's where a lot of the mis the teardown was, I was asking for help. People didn't know how to offer the help that I need it. Like they're just, they don't know how to do it. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, 
they, and a lot of people have empty offers. So it's hard to manage those, but I think a lot of that comes down to, again, talking, let's talk about it. Have, let's have these conversations. So the more we can, the better we'll be. Sounds you are an amazing overcomer and we are so blessed that we got to chat with you and hear your story and being again, vulnerable and raw and sharing it good, bad, and in between, you know, there's a lot there to unpack. Um, so where, where, where can people find you? Where, where social media? Uh, so on, on social media, I, I, I love social media. Let's just say I really do. I've been doing live social media live since 2014 and I have, um, done different platforms, but I primarily, um, stick to Instagram because I love it. There's my community. Um, I don't know if you guys remember the days of Periscope, but that's kind of where it started. And, um, we've just had a lot of fun over the years. So you can just look me up, Erica Shaleen. I go by my middle name <laughs> or Eric Hall, it'll come up. Um, but our company is called The Corner Office um, with an H-E-R at the end. Um, so I'm there, my email's there. It's just Erica at The Corner Office. And we will make sure there's links that are, but that's not me. It's doing a campaign on iFundWomen to raise some funds um, to not only provide books for those um, that we can give away, but to also help offset some of the publishing costs as we republish this book. It is self-published and it's just the two of us doing it. <laughs> so um, we're really excited um, to be doing that and where it's gonna go because um, it's already changed the lives of so many women. And I can't wait to just see the healing that is available honestly. Yeah. That's the fulfilling part to see that yeah. change come about. Well, we appreciate, yeah. we appreciate having you on and we will um, be promoting you on our social media with all of your information so that our listeners can find you and, and your partner and, and your business. So um, thank, you. thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. I appreciate it. And if you wouldn't mind staying on for another second, but for our listeners, as always, stay cheeky.